Alright, thanks everybody for downloading this uh, second edition of the Concast. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently this week because we've learned from getting one whole show under our belts. With me today, starting from the beginning this time, are DP, Laz, and Tittles, my cohorts from the last episode. Uh, we're going to talk about what we're doing right now in terms of games, media, the other stuff that we're going with. So, Laz, let's go to you first. Hey, what's up? Uh... Now, first, I guess I guess we're doing this because I'm not sure you're allowed to have a gaming podcast without talking about what games you're playing. It's just something everyone does, so we're trying it out. Also, we're narcissists. True, absolutely. <laughs> oh, we're not above following the crowd. <laughs> but I guess all I'm really doing with media recently is playing Persona 4, because every time I try something, doing something else, it's like, you know, I would rather be playing Persona 4, because that game is great. That's all I got. And they're not paying you to say that. <laughs> no, they're not. I wish they would, because then they would give me probably a Vita with the updated version of Persona 4. Is it blue and yellow and curvy and looks rather dated? Because that's <laughs> what I always think of when I think of Persona. <laughs> I think someone told me there was a game that was now even ridiculously longer than Final Fantasy for speedrunning, and I think it might have been a Persona game. Maybe it, it was that one. It might have been Persona 3 or 4. Both of those yeah. are... Uh, I think Persona 3 is neighborhood of 80 hours, and 4 is in the neighborhood of 70 hours. It's, 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 yeah. It gets pretty rough. I'm playing a new game plus now, so I'm moving through it quickly, but it is not a game for someone that just wants a nice weekend jaunt. Because there are, <laughs> there are literally not enough hours in a weekend to play it. Well, I'll keep away from that one, huh? Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's got great characters and dialogue. The, uh, they, they add, they manage to add some real weight and tension to the storyline because you have a limited amount of time to rescue, uh, the serial killer's next victim before you get a game over. Oh, okay. And it's a good RPG turn-based game, uh, combat. It's, there's a lot to like there. So if you have a PlayStation 2 and 25 bucks or whatever, at least it's worth a look. All right, well, you go, Tittles. Um, not so much playing, just hacking at the minute. Um, you may or may not know or care that I produce a Sonic hack called Sonic 3 Complete, and I've been doing some crazy things to it, doing some, uh, importing some Sonic CD-type moves and sounds and weird stuff, so good times getting some of it wrong, getting some of it right. He's selling it a bit short. It actually is amazing. Uh, check it out if you're a Sonic fan, because it's fun to play. I like it, and I never really even played a Sonic game. Are you part of a team, or is this all a solo effort? It was originally a solo effort, but there's a couple of guys who um, help out a lot now with graphics and that sort of thing, so they're kind of... I'm in charge, I get to make the calls, but I'd say they're definitely part of the team. And I'm really good at playing that game. <laughs> yeah, DP played it. Um, he, he really went to the effort, bless him, playing the whole thing through. Uh, just so he played my hack. And if, I if you can even call it that rather pathetic attempt, playing. <laughs> it was probably one of the worst experiences of your life, I imagine. But um, Jesus, how bad was this? I, I really appreciate it. He's not good at Sonic games. It's uh, <laughs> he's not good. It's not the game. The, the game was. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with the game. There was 
whole lot wrong with the gamer, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really? was. It was actually, though, it was quite helpful because um, DP played it through an easy mode, which I added in, in the version he played. So it was a good test of that. And, you know, a lot of the... A lot of the people who know about the game are people who really know their Sonic and easy mode is something that, you know, doesn't really appeal. So someone who actually appreciates that as an option, you know. DP's complaint is actually the exact opposite of don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> and yep. that just that really doesn't come out of my mouth well. Uh, DP, what are you doing these days? Um, well, uh, uh, for the last Comcast, I had just finished that day, uh, To the Moon, uh, and commented a bit on that. Or, or no, wait, no, I hadn't. That was, Laz had talked a bit about it. Yeah, I, I think, think we talked you into buying it in yeah, the I think that's from right. that first right. podcast. No. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, To the Moon the is that, it, it's like the best RPG maker game of all time, is my understanding. No, I, it's really, it's really excellent. I, uh... Even with my rather uh, small amount of time that I put into gaming nowadays, I uh, I'm still able to get through it in a, in a fairly quick amount of time because it's so short. But it's a really it's a really impressive game. They you know they have a fairly small amount of space, time space, and they have a it's a fairly small you know uh, world spatially as well. And even you know the gameplay is fairly limited, and yet they do just. They do some really great things with with the story and, and the dialogue and and just sort of the emotions that it portrays. So I I really yeah I really enjoyed that. I'm all about the story in in video games, so I it uh it particularly appealed to me. Yeah, one thing I've heard about To the Moon is that it has a really really cool soundtrack. Did any of the music stand out to you? Yeah yeah, a lot of it is is really nice. Uh, some of it's I mean fairly repetitive of the same theme, which is what you'd expect, but the uh, the title theme is is just fantastic, and there's a there's a couple others on there uh, as well that I've been listening to quite a bit, you know, while I was playing it, and then now after I've finished it as well. Yeah, a really good soundtrack. Not this is one of those games where I think I might have it on Steam, but I'm not sure. I, I think it was on sale actually recently. Like a couple days ago or something. It's on sale right now. <laughs> it's it's normally ten dollars <laughs> and right now it's four dollars. Or you can get the game and soundtrack b- bundle for five bucks. Usually twelve fifty. It's, it's five very short bucks, though, man. Much. That that is like half of the footlongs at Subway. Yeah, Josh <laughs> just measures everything in how many boxes of nappies it's worth now. From I'm sorry. If you're gonna be that. here, you're gonna have to talk American. <laughs> Sorry, diapers. Oh my god, <laughs> diapers. We don't understand your words, Tittles. <laughs> well, perhaps it speaks to my personality, but I tend to measure the prices of things in either Subway sandwiches or Chipotle burritos. And this is a Subway sandwich game that sounds totally worth it to me. <laughs> well, you, well, I, I, and I guess a Chipotle burrito is like 40% more. Than a subway yeah. footlong, if you really sit down and do the math, which I just did, obviously. Oh yeah, I, I do the. I don't know where I was going with that. Are we gonna do a podcast episode where we just do the relative currency of foodstuffs? <laughs> sure. That doesn't topic. really seem like she it's in our wheelhouse. <laughs> How much does burrito cost in London, Tittles? I don't. Do you have, have any concept as to what a burrito is? 
I yeah, eat yeah. at the Chipotle in London. It's in Piccadilly Circus. All right, welcome to the Burrito Concast. For <laughs> all so your burrito funny. talking needs. I would Actually, like to talk about the games I'm playing now because I'm sick of burritos. All right. So what are you playing, Josh? Not much, really. <laughs> no, it's funny because uh, when we talked about actually adding this in, uh, at the time I really wasn't playing anything because uh, the most recent thing that I'd had in my Xbox was The Walking Dead, which I got for Christmas, and yeah, it's almost April now. Um, but that is a game that you cannot play in front of your year-and-a-half-old toddler. So <laughs> I have made zero progress on that in weeks and weeks. Uh when I went down to PAX this weekend, though, I did have my iPad, which has uh, War of the Lions on it, and I also had my PSP, which has a lot of uh, my Final Fantasy games available to it. So I did play a little bit of War of the Lions and a little bit of Final Fantasy I uh, most recently, which is kind of sad given how many times I've played those games and how many games I own that I haven't played. But there's something comfortable about revisiting stuff that you've known for 10 or 20 years. Yeah, does the uh, does the iPad version of War of the Lions have that irritating slowdown that the PSP version had? It does not, but it's going to feel slow because by the time you figure out how the controls work on touch, <laughs> <laughs> you know the battles still take forever. Uh, it looks fantastic. Uh, the cutscenes that are also present in the PSP version are upscaled, so they look good on the larger iPad screen, and it really is uh, a good-looking game, especially given its age, and. Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to produce some con YouTube videos from that iPad version at some point. I've been working on that technologically a little bit on my free time. I don't play a lot of touch-based games, but the impression I have from what I have seen is that I've never seen a game that wasn't originally designed for touch actually work well with touch. Do you know what I mean? I, I will tell you one, that I, it's kind of made specifically for touch, but it comes from a long lineage of PC-based games, and it's Football Manager. Okay. Football Manager uh, on a yeah, touch I screen can... is fantastic. I can see that working, but I mean, that's kind of, it's probably not like a direct port of one of the old Football Managers, is it? It's, it's something in the line that's been the... designed for a touch screen, I'd guess. Well, I mean, the UI for the PC versions actually would work pretty well if you had a touchscreen monitor to begin with. I don't think they had to make a whole lot of changes. I think it's just something that, kind of by luck, they managed to create a UI that works just as well with mouse and keyboard and touch without a whole lot of manipulation. I suppose, actually, PC games are probably a better target for yeah. converting to touch than console ones. Point-and-click type stuff you can see working more easily than, you know, an yeah. analog stick D-pad type conversion. Yeah, the, um, uh, the games that I... That I've played that uh, were original ports of other things that work pretty well on the iPad are the uh, Phoenix Wright games that were originally GBA and DS are awesome on the iPad, but that's just that's basically an adventure game that mostly involves choosing choosing answers and clicking and pressing arrow buttons. And uh, also, yeah. I mean, aren't pretty much all of the PopCap games like Bejeweled and Peggle and Plants vs. Zombies, weren't they all PC first and then became major iPad blockbusters? I or think I that's wrong? the path that it goes, yeah. And but those games are, are all fantastic to play on touch. Little yeah. puzzle games and that sort of thing are probably going to work well. Whereas complicated moving of physical avatar stuff is probably not going to work quite as well. Go ahead, DP. 
I was just going to say, you, you mentioned PAX a little bit. Um, do we want to uh, perhaps turn our attentions onto that? No, I don't want to talk about that. It's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that you were going to a couple of the panel, a couple of panels uh, when we talked last about this. Yeah. How did those? Let me say first that I went to several panels and I did not make it all the way through any of them. Uh, oh, wow. And it's... part of that, I part of that was me because I did only have the opportunity to go just one day out of the oh. three. And there was so much that I wanted to like hang out with down on the show floor or in various other things. And I was with a few of my friends, and obviously they had somewhat different uh, desires than I did. So there was a lot of push and pull and, okay, this is kind of interesting, but I think I've gotten everything I'm going to get out of it. This is not as interesting as I hoped it would be, so I'm going to go back to the Squeenix booth and see what's going on down there. And there was a lot of that, but... uh, yeah, I did go to three panels, and uh, I'll let you guys pick which ones you want to hear about. Well, you are itching to talk about geek parenting, because I know <laughs> you. But wasn't there some clash that you weren't sure whether you were going to go to geek parenting or something else? Yeah, it was weird. Well, that was part of the problem with the geek parenting one, is that they booked it for two solid hours. And yeah. that's a long time to talk about much of anything, even though we're probably going to hit that with this concast, because, my God, we're dragging on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but I, you could talk about your baby for, like, you know, if if nobody stopped you, you would just go on until you died of exhaustion or hunger or something. So. And I do. And, in that. fact, I did in that panel. I actually got up <laughs> and asked the panel a question. <laughs> Well, there you go. Uh, You'd think that parents would have the patience to do a two-hour panel (laughs) instead of one hour, because, I mean, isn't most of their lives an exercise of patience like that? Well, either that or they're all sitting there listening to it, and they keep having to go out and change nappies and feed babies. (laughs) I I just put my kid on a hamster wheel, so I feel like I don't need to have a whole lot of patience for her. You know, just stick her on there, give her the water bottle, and, and when she falls asleep and the wheel stops spinning, then I know it's time to put her in her crib. So what was the question that you asked the panel? Uh, I wanted to ask, uh, in particular, and this is actually a topic that I want to bring up in the future for all of us, uh, but it's the role of female role models in video games and where we should be looking and what we should be expecting of those role models. And I don't want to get into that too much right now, especially because the answer I got from the subject matter expert was it doesn't really matter whether they're female role models or male role models. They just need to be good role models. Which is true, and I agree with that, but that seems like an odd tack for a woman to take in an answer, and I'm blanking on her name right now, and I'm sorry for that, uh, if you're listening. Oh god, I'm so sorry. Um, just because we as gamers know that there's an undercurrent of sexism in both game development and game play, and that seems like the sort of thing that we should be looking to elevate ourselves beyond and not just say, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, and even if you're, I mean, even not, I, mean, I, I certainly think you're right there. And I think that we've seen sort of a lot of, you know, that kind of thing has come up a lot, I think, in the last year or so. But I think even just looking at, I mean, who do you look to as a role model? I mean, you look to someone like yourself. And obviously one of the first things you're going to look to is, you know, I mean, gender is one of those sort of divisions. You look to a role model based on someone who you, you you know, you want to be, and most, not trying to perpetuate any uh, gender division here, necessarily. 
excessively, but you know, you'd think that that would make a difference, whatever side of whatever side you fall on. There. Yeah, and I understand the rationale for wanting to get to like a post-gender world the way that we talk about a post-racial world, but the reality of the situation is that you know there are differences that you can never really get past, and uh, the the addendum to that was given by the panel head who whose wife is a uh, child psychologist, I believe it was. And he said, you know, until they get to be the age where they themselves recognize the difference, the only person that they're looking to as a role model is the people that they're actually with. So if you're like me and you're the parent of a young one, all you really need to do is make sure that the role model that they are seeing is behaving properly in accordance with the stuff that then they see on the screen. Uh... And I kind of made a joke of it. I said, you know, so my daughter should not be watching me play FIFA online because that will indicate that I am not a good role model to her. And yes, <laughs> laughs were had, and they said, yes, that is absolutely true. <laughs> can you, uh, I don't know, in FIFA online, can you do, you know, is it a proper football simulation? As in, can you kind of dive and spit on the floor and abuse a referee? <laughs> no, um, and I think I can't remember if you can actually slide tackle the goalie anymore. I remember that was my favorite thing to do back in like uh, FIFA '64. Can you run behind the net and kick the ball into it from the wrong side, <laughs> score goals repeatedly? I think this is hockey or something. I'm not sure that uh, Laz and DP are familiar <laughs> with what we're speaking of, and yeah. God knows our listeners probably aren't. Uh, <laughs> I may we'll need to link to that video when we post about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Supplementary materials for this yes. week's podcast. If you've ever yeah. heard any of us utter, oh no, oh, oh goal. goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and that was kind of the, the geek parenting thing. Uh, but unfortunately after that is kind of when I started to get antsy because I hadn't been able to see any of the exhibition hall yet, and I was out like a shot. <laughs> so did, um, uh, now, I know that in terms of big announcements and major, you know, news drops like that, uh, as such, PAX East isn't quite in the same tier of relevance as E3 or PAX Prime. But, I mean, did you see any of the big things that dropped there? Like, did you check out Transistor or see uh, the Broken Age materials or anything like that? I did get to see Transistor for a few minutes. Uh, I'm somebody who has a lot of games they haven't played. Bastion is one of them. Uh, Too bad, because Bastion's great. Yes, I have heard that, and I think that's probably why somebody bought it for me. But uh, <laughs> when I first hit the show floor, I was with my friend Aaron, and we were just kind of wandering around. I was kind of hitting the merch stuff. Uh, walked past Fan Gamer, which was just packed three people deep, so unfortunately I didn't get to buy anything from them, but uh, they had a really good setup. But right across from Fangamer was uh, Transistor. Yes. Sorry, that one took me a minute. Uh, and Aaron pointed it out to me and said, that game looks awesome. If it's half as good as Bastion, it's going to be amazing. And we stopped to watch the people demoing it a little bit. Um, it looked pretty much exactly as I expected it to look, which was lovely. And uh, I can't tell you enough about what it really is or what it is relative to Bastion to be able to give you a whole lot more on that. Unfortunately, I am a terrible narrator for these things. But uh, what I did see was visually impressive, and it looked like everybody playing it was getting really into it. Yeah, it's, I mean, Bastion 
was probably one of my favorite games that I, uh, of, I guess, 2011 when it came out. And, uh, it, it really had a lot of old school sensibilities. It was kind of a, you know, isometric, uh, single player RPG with cool narration and really interesting stage design. And Transistor, just like on the surface, looks like a much cleaner, you know, better, uh, better visual presentation, steampunk version of Bastion starring a female heroine with a transforming weapon. And all of that sounds awesome. <laughs> but, uh, Will she be a good role model? <laughs> possibly. And also, you could play Bastion, um, with Kaylin watching, because that game is, it's just like, you're hitting blobs with a big cartoon hammer, and the whole game takes like five hours. Well, that is a lot like what we do around here most of the time. <laughs> uh, she enjoyed you playing Final Fantasy Thirteen, didn't she? Oh, oh Lord, yes. And she, she was a little bit younger then. Lack uh, of taste. But... Well, we'll we'll cover that topic in the future, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I still Neil, need to play FF Thirteen. I've owned it for a good three years, but have not touched it because. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, it took me. Uh, about nine months of owning it before I really got into it. Um, one last thing on the topic yeah. of Transistor. Uh, Neil has just weighed in from Conchat saying, this douche loved Bastion, and yes, Transistor looks amazing. <laughs> so, Whoa, he's... Oh, okay, all right. I, I thought he was listening in on this somehow. You just, po- yeah, you just I know, posed it, the question down yeah. there. Yeah, it kind of freaked me out when he actually brought up Transistor on his own, but uh, I can <laughs> understand making that connection pretty quickly. We should do this like talk radio, have people ring in somehow. Laz and I have talked about that. We, we just have? know that nobody would. Well, we kind of <laughs> talked about it. We, we just have to get a load of people to pretend to be different people every week. And be fine. No, that, yeah. that'll be get, perfectly easy because none get of us have distinctive voices. Just get someone who's good at accents. So not you. Oh. So, anyway. Are any of you guys interested at all at what happened with Squeenix? No. At PAX? Yeah. Go on, anyway. <laughs> are we a Final Fantasy website? And nominally. Uh, no, I mean, the funny thing about that is, is the most interesting stuff that came out of PAX East came out before I got there. So it's not like I was sitting there when they unveiled the uh, Final Fantasy X HD trailer, because that was the day before I went, I think. Uh, I oh, missed the debut of the Kingdom Hearts trailer because they put that out a couple days before PAX started. But they did have a ton of stuff running in a never-ending loop uh, for upcoming stuff. Obviously, they had Tomb Raider, which clearly is already out and is getting pretty rave reviews. They Mm -hmm. had uh, the same trailer that we posted in Con News about a month ago for Final Fantasy XIV. Looked absolutely amazing, uh, seeing it on a big HD screen. What stage is that? Really cool. That's not out yet, right? It's still in no. some, kind of, some level of beta? It is in Phase 2 beta. Phase yeah. 3 starts in April. I, I think people uh, shouldn't forget about that, because I think they're really... Uh, I mean, from all the stuff I've read on it, it seems like they're putting a lot into into that. No, they kind of had to after the dud they dropped the first Well, yeah. yeah. Some people have counted it sort of dead in the water, you know, before it hits. Yeah, do you think they missed their shot with this brand? Or uh, because... I mean, on a scale of one to SimCity, that was not a very strong launch that FF14 had. Do you think that there are still enough people interested in it that weren't turned off by the first attempt at FF14? I tell you, the Twitterverse seems to be thinking that this is going to be valuable. 
right. uh, at some point they're going to have to sunset Final Fantasy XI. And at that point... FF11's been out for near a decade, hasn't it? uh, More than a decade now, I believe. Sweet Moses. Yeah, I think it's closer to 11 years than it is 10 at this point. Um, And yeah, it just keeps on trucking. Obviously it's not World of Warcraft, because really nothing is. But World of Warcraft is not quite 10 years old yet. It it wasn't World of Warcraft 2004? No. I think it is. I think think there is a market for it, though. If we're talking about that long ago, you Talking about EverQuest being the big competitor, I think. Right, but you've got to remember that Final Fantasy XI came out at a time when there was just much more interest in Final Fantasy as a whole. <laughs> that's, that's, probably, that's true. You say but that, but you don't believe it yourself. No, I, I, I do. Still think, I still think there's enough interest, though. You know, I still think there's enough of a sort of Final Fantasy fan base, and I think there's enough people that would probably be you know, inclined to give it a go if they saw that it was, you know, somewhat well, Here's successful. the thing, though. I, uh, I at one point, would have classed myself as a fan of Final Fantasy, and I would certainly class myself as a fan of single-player RPGs, but if they brought out a Mass Effect MMO, I probably wouldn't play it. And if they brought out a Skyrim MMO, I probably wouldn't play it, which they are doing. Which they are. <laughs> but they are. Because it's not the same sort of game. You were accusing right. Square in the past, as I have, of just flinging the Final Fantasy brand around willy-nilly at any game they're producing in the hope that it'll stick, then an MMO is just as far out there as anything they've ever done. Still, well, I a... think that there's enough, probably, you know, thought that, well, let's sort of see what you know, a Final Fantasy approach or a Final Fantasy team would do with, you know, an MMO. I mean, I think... I think They've there's already done it twice. People. And the first one worked, I mean, fairly well. Like, a lot of people really enjoy that game. And, you know, 11 years later are still playing it. It was never big, though. It was never what they hoped for. It oh, never, yeah. But it you can't measure it the quality of a game was. based on whether it's big. Well, yeah, but, you kind of uh, have an MMO. MMO. Yeah, with MMOs, people will judge them by their user base and by their revenue. And um, when it comes to MMOs, everyone's going to judge them against World of Warcraft. And I don't know if FF11 has a tenth of what World of Warcraft has. Yeah, um, so, but anyway, this going back to FF14, um, it looks pretty. <laughs> I, I it has a lot of neato things in it, like Magitech armor and the sort of uh, the whole remade world and everything. But I still can't help but think they might have poisoned the FF14 well a little bit with that disaster launch from a year and a half ago or two years ago. Well, here's the problem, as I understand it. You have to forgive me; I'm not really an MMO player, but from having read other MMO players' sort of feelings on the market as it is. You've got World of Warcraft, which is massive. And the problem with it being so massive is that people producing competing MMOs can't see past it. They either tend to make things more and more World of Warcraft to bring in World of Warcraft players without kind of realizing that it's just the same, they'll just stick with what they know. Or they kind of seem to make it at such a wild tangent that it doesn't really work and nobody's all that interested. And it's kind of, it seems to be this kind of big swirling black hole that nobody can really escape from one way or the other. Yeah, I basically agree with you, Tittles, but World of Warcraft is so huge and profitable that 
so all these big companies can't help but chase after that pie, yeah. piece of that pie. No, I so, understand why they're doing it, but it's it's difficult to. You need someone to who's got a really good vision of their own to come and just stamp something down. I think, and you know, maybe a, a really experienced RPG designing company like Bioware yeah. could take a popular, you know, global brand like Star Wars. And try and make an MMO that can compete with World of Warcraft that way. See how that works out. My yeah, god, I would spend so much not money on that. There's two <laughs> letters there that that might make that less of a viable proposition, and those are EA. Not that I would uh, necessarily say they poisoned the well entirely by themselves, but it goes back to what I was saying about Square. Bioware have a long and prestigious tradition of single-player RPGs. That doesn't necessarily mean they can produce a good MMO out of it. Yeah, but uh, to be fair, the, the um, I can't remember his name now, but the one who's taken over the helm for Final Fantasy fourteen did basically say, did basically admit exactly what you were just saying there, Tittles, that you know the the sort of the problem that we have that we had with our game and that a lot of other developers are having is this sort of you know the gravitational pull towards trying to be like. Um, World of Warcraft, so it, it's it's something that they certainly recognize and something that he's trying to manage. So they're yeah. it's it's not like it's not like you know he's blind to or they are not like they are blind to trying to negotiate that balance. And it goes back to what we were saying before about the um, the fact that these things live or die on popularity more than the fact of whether there's actually some merit there or not you know that effect of people the more people there are going into it the more it will pull in and the less people there are in something then the more people will kind of fall out of it it's just difficult to get away from inertia no matter how good or innovative a product you produce in a couple months, this is going to come out, and I think it's going to be a financial success for them, but it's not going to hit those stratospheric levels that they're wanting, uh, largely because of what you guys were just saying. I mean, they, they've got a big hill to climb, and they did a bad job of starting. So I think their expectations are going to be a little bit lower than maybe they were in the past, and they'll meet those expectations. We'll see. <laughs> there are a couple things you know that I did want to get to, for PAX, one of them is pretty big, and I know at least DP is going to be very excited about it. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I did want to point out was how weird it was, and this was my first con. I think I mentioned that last week or two weeks ago, whenever we did that. Your first convention. Thing. Yes, yes. Right. My, yeah. yes. <laughs> I was going to say. Yes, my first gaming. Uh, yeah. And having never been able to actually see a Squeenix booth at any other convention or exhibition on its own, it's a sign of the times, I think, that there was almost nothing Final Fantasy there. Not a thing. The biggest things that they had there were Tomb Raider, which can't blame them for that. That game is selling like gangbusters. It looks amazing. Everybody I've talked to that has played it is in love with it. I think they're planning future DLC for that, too. So it's a brand, yes. it's a brand that they want to propagate for the next couple of years, definitely. Yeah, I, I believe that I read that as well. Uh, and and they should. I mean, strike while the iron is hot. Um, they also had a bank of Wii U's 
playing a director's cut version of Deus Ex Human Revolution, mm. which I thought was kind of an interesting choice, and Tittles will probably jump in to say, I've already played that game, show me something new. And I said, it's on a Wii U, it's new, yay! That's what the Wii U does, though. And I mean, the Wii U was touting its Arkham City and Mass Effect 3 ports mm-hmm. as major uh, releases right when it was coming out, so um, I would almost, I-, I wouldn't blame Square Enix for showing an older game on the Wii U, necessarily. Well, I'm, I'm sure Nintendo they can't probably... play any new ones. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of and which, I need to download F Zero. Uh, well, basically, what you're saying there is that the Square Enix booth was all IDOS stuff. Well, yeah, kinda. Uh, oh, and, was there anything and, about the new thief there? There was a big statue. My friend Matt took a photo of it. I did not take any photos of it uh, myself because I already had one on the Con Facebook page. Uh, if you guys have not seen the photos on the Con Facebook page, got some good cosplay photos. Uh, got some, got a lot of the Squeenix booth, and then you know some more environmental stuff around Paxi. So uh, go check that out. It's very easily findable on the Con Facebook page right now. But to answer your actual question, it was pretty much just the statue. That was kind of their unveiling thing. Like, hey, this IP is still going to exist. We are going to make a new game in it. Here is a life-size statue of the guy that you'll be playing as. And it was very menacing and kind of evil-looking and very appropriate, I thought. But that was pretty much all there was. Um, the other thing, and I, for some reason I never got a good enough look at it to know if it was actually playable or not, but I think it was, was the next game in the Dead Island series, which I had no idea Squeenix actually had their hands in whatsoever. Oh, right. Um... Isn't that a European studio that's handling that and getting uh, the, Square publish, uh, Publishing? You know, I looked earlier and I spaced on it already. Um, Deep Silver is actually the publisher. I don't know if that's a wholly owned subsidiary of Square Enix or not. Uh, oh, I think the developer is called Techland, maybe? I, I may not be remembering that correctly. I, I looked it up earlier and then stuff happened and I completely oh, I rem- forgot about it. I remember Deep Silver because when they were auctioning off all the THQ properties, Deep Silver got one of them. Oh, uh, well, that one that they got would be Saints Row 4. That's it. Yeah, because, they, they, that's what it is. Yeah, uh, Saints Row was showing up in the Squeenix booth uh, as part of the trailers that they were showing. You know, there was uh, Lightning Returns, there was Final Fantasy fourteen, there was the Kingdom Hearts 1.5 remix, and then all of a sudden Saints Row was there. I was like, oh, okie doke, because... Uh, <laughs> I they were obviously they had a pretty large setup of their own, but because of this connection to Deep Silver, they were making an appearance in the Squeenix booth too. It was kind of crazy. You know what is a missed opportunity from all this is Final Fantasy Saints Row. No, King, well, more or less <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Are we going to have Kingdom Hearts with um, <laughs> Deus Ex people in it? Saints Row. You know you want it. This I, is how it should be. <laughs> That sounds amazing, but yeah. I, I may, maybe they shouldn't do that much cross pollination. I don't know. Bit of Metal Metal Island just in there. Uh, Some no, no, here we go. About. No, we've got a gritty reboot of Tomb Raider, and we could plop Goofy into it. Actually, you know, Lara Croft wouldn't fit that. Wouldn't be that out of place in the Kingdom Hearts game because. I'm starting Shoot, to think nothing would be out of place in the Kingdom Hearts game. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, man, you know what they should do? They should have the next Kingdom Hearts game be full of Marvel Comics characters. Yes. 
It's like, also completely possible. I yeah, love it's it. like Mickey teaming up with Wolverine and Lara Croft and Sora or X Sora Roxas double X. I don't man, I don't understand Kingdom Hearts. Too much crossover. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I should mention, I just I've been doing some background googling. Uh, Deep Silver is a a wholly owned subsidiary of Coke Media, C K O C H Media, and really? Square Enix publishes. Uh, Deep Silver's games in the United States. I know Deep Silver from years back from them publishing the um, X series games, which is a sort of flight space trading open thing. There they are on the list. In the vein of Elite and that sort of thing, if anybody remembers that far back. Elite had a uh, had a failed Kickstarter last year. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Um, oh, there was oh, there was some sort of auteurish elite developer that was trying to bring it back, but I don't think it was successful. Well, I mean, well, one of the original elite developers, of course, is the main guy behind, or one of the main guys behind the Raspberry Pi. So, uh, might have been. World. I don't. I don't know. I think, well, I, I, think I, I saw that pop up on Kotaku. Want to talk about what Josh missed my day? <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy X HD trailer that that came out. Now, to be fair, I didn't miss it. I did see it while I was there. It just wasn't new at same. that point. It's not the same, Josh. You let us all down. <laughs> you did. See, you you saw the trailer then. What were your uh, What were your thoughts on that? You know, I thought it looked exactly as I expected it to look. It was. Very crisp, very clean. They had it on a 40-inch TV, and it looks solid. It's the same with more pixels. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, I... <laughs> FF10 was a 2000-2001 game, so it, it won't look that crisp on a new TV. So I'm sure this up uh, this visual upgrade's welcome for many. I mean, I was I watched the I watched the trailer on on YouTube, and I mean. To me, just watching it the first time, it, it did seem, you know, it did seem to be clearly a, you know, a very clear step up in that, you know, all the, uh, all the lines and everything were just a lot, everything was a lot smoother. Yeah, and I don't think that you can really get the same experience from streaming it via YouTube, yeah. even if you're watching it on full screen, even if you've got a fantastic internet connection. I will tell you that they didn't put it side by side with the original for obvious reasons, but I think from what I can recall and what I had seen on the internet and then what I saw later in person on a big TV, I, I think this is going to make a lot of people really happy. Oh, yes, yeah. it will. <laughs> I'm particularly interested to see if they're going to wrap in any extras with that because it looks to have the exact same setup and pricing structure as the... Eco Shadow of the Colossus uh, bundle from two years ago, which is you know forty dollar bundle, or you can download them separately for twenty bucks, just like how this one's gonna be. And uh, but the Eco and Shadow of the Colossus bundle had like director interviews and extra wallpapers and a ton oh, of yeah. just little small goodies in there. And I have to wonder for you know like longtime fans like us, what kind of bones are they gonna throw? Well, I mean it does. It will be the international edition, which for for those of us in uh, North America, or those of us from North America who are momentarily displaced in Dublin, 
you know, we haven't had our hands done before. So there's there's new uh, new weapon and armor armor attributes, uh, the dark aeons. So those those are, I think, uh, you know, certainly for someone like me who enjoyed the game a lot, uh, those are definitely big reasons, I think, in themselves to play it. But the question is, are they going to make it run at the speed the original UK PAL version ran? So, you know, for that authentic feeling of playing the UK version, it's taking 10 minutes to get across one room and it being squashed <laughs> into a tiny strip in the middle of the screen. You'll have to pay extra for that. That'll be DLC. <laughs> yeah. But I can that, imagine that, is... that actually. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I imagine this being. I, I don't think they'll go to the extent that you were just describing, Laz. Uh, I think more likely, given what Squeenix has done in the past, they're probably going to go more of a collector's edition mode, where mm. you know, you got the basic uh, Blu-rays that you can get. You've got the collector's edition, which will have an art book or a t-shirt or something like that. And then there will be the digital-only versions, which will be a little bit cheaper, and you won't get any of the bells and whistles with them at all. But I'm just on, curious everybody. to see what the bells and whistles are going to be, because sure. yeah. I'm I'm probably going to pick up this Blu-ray right when or soon after it comes out, because I haven't played oh, yeah. Final Fantasy X except for uh, I, I, I played it once and that was 11 years ago, so it might be time to check it out again. Did you play it for about two hours and walk in a straight line for about two hours and then say, ugh? No, I actually I saw it through to the end. I I sunk in a good Jeez. thirty. 35 to 40 hours in, like like 35 hours. I mean, it's not in my top three Final Fantasy games, like I, it probably is for DP, but I thought it was just a, a pretty good start-to-finish, enjoyable experience, and I would like to play it again with some, you know, extras here and there. That sounds fine. I mean, it's it's my favorite, well, it's my favorite video game, period. Uh, you know, I was, I was, I just remember being very surprised when I first saw that they were going to make a, an HD release for it just because I mean it it just seemed you know why why in Final Fantasy X why now you know there's there's so many other games that you always hear clamoring for you know uh, well, for Final Fantasy 7 or, or whatnot so I was, I was surprised there's a very simple answer it's the same reason that uh, Metal Gear HD collection doesn't include the first one, is that stuff from the PS2 era is relatively easy to upscale, and stuff from the PS1 era isn't. Because the sure. models are just such low detail that you really have to redraw a lot of assets. And you know, FF7, yeah. 8, 9, you had all those static backgrounds that they may not even have the original models for anymore. It's probably yeah, it a lot easier and a lot cheaper to produce 10 HD than any of the previous ones. It would not be a surprise if I if uh, Sony ended up throwing them some money to help them along too, because there have been a lot of Sony published HD ports of PS2 games in the past several years. I I think I probably have five or six on my shelf because there's Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper, God of War Collection, God of War Saga. Eco Shadow of the Colossus, Metal Gear, Devil May Cry, there are Prince of Persia, there are lots and lots of sort of box set Blu-ray collections that Sony's done in the past couple of years. And it I sounds think like that... you need a bigger shelf, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Sony I I... don't do that well with exclusives anymore, so to some extent, things like Metal Gear and Final Fantasy, where they had the exclusives at that time, it's kind of, they're trying to trade on that a bit. 
it, I mean, it all makes sense that they're coming out with it. It's a little surprising that it's um so late, uh, a good 12 years after it came out. A lot of people have positive nostalgia for FF10. This is the first time uh, Americans are getting the international version. It's There's a lot to like there, and I will probably buy it because I'm a sucker. And I think there's a lot of, I think there's a fairly large sort of fan base for it as well. I mean... Oh, no, it's outrageously. It's, I, one of, it's still one of the most popular PS2 games. Yeah, and I mean, part of this, I think, is my, my sort of generational position, but I, you know, I know a lot of a lot of friends outside sort of the, the you know, video gaming community in the, you know, the sense that we're part of. Uh, they've all, you know, a lot of them, a fair number of people have either heard of or, or played Final Fantasy X and, you know, no comparatively little about the rest of the series. So I think, I guess in that respect as well, perhaps it's, you know, a good, uh, a good financial move for Square. You know, it's, um, the three best-selling Final Fantasy games of all time are 7, 8, and 10. So, it, There's no accounting for taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it makes sense in a lot of ways. Yeah. And Tittles loves all of them. <laughs> Only Tittles' yeah. favorites. They're, they're all beautiful pieces of art, especially oh. Fisherman's Horizon. <laughs> Fisherman's Horizon. <laughs> the, the the best place and music of all time. Mm-hmm. Hey, you have a familiar <laughs> face. It must be the GFs. Oh, <laughs> uh, kill me now. And on that note... <laughs> yeah, every time you offer... I have to stop and think for a minute. <laughs> Can I get away with it? How would I do it? He's a long way away. Could I get DP to do it for me? <laughs> now you're too cheap to take the ferry across the water. Oh, well, you lost really your true. best assassin. You should have got it done more than a year ago. <laughs> Ride the shooper. Ride <laughs> Did you go to Ireland on a shooper? I wished. <laughs> You know how long that would take? I don't even Forever. know how well those things would float. <laughs> and now that we've hit that particular wall, right, I think it might be time to call it a night. <laughs> yeah. It's more than time to call it a night, let's be honest. It's either manhole inspection, or yep. possibly threats of murder, <laughs> or possibly talking for 20 minutes about Final Fantasy X. Any one of those things will cause you to end the show. Can it be all over the two once? for two. We're two I... for two on our FH... Fisherman Horizon reference. So, I think that's Did I do that time. last time? I'll try and do that every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't happen last time. <laughs> It'll be your thing. In ten years, people will be asking you to sign pictures of yourself to <laughs> Fisherman's Horizon. With my Love face tittles. glued onto one of the familiar faces. Or possibly <laughs> all of the familiar faces. Well, what's funny is that, you know, you would never remember if you'd been with them because of the Guardian Forces. So. That's true! <laughs> Now it's time to call it a night, gentlemen. Right. Uh, say your goodbyes. Last you go first. I okay. would rather be playing Persona 4 right now. Oh. There you go. <laughs> it's been DP. a lovely gentleman. <laughs> it's been a lovely time, gentlemen. Alright, we'll see you again soon. Tittles. This is the worst game I've ever played. You say that about every game. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Except it's true. Always true. I will be taking off this headset and investigating why my daughter seems to have chocolate cake on her face and where that might have come from. The toilet. Fisherman's horizon. <laughs> oh, I don't know which of those answers is worse. 
toilet and fishing with the saurus. There's a manhole joke here somewhere. <laughs> oh, God. And this is when we definitely stop it. Uh, talk to you guys again soon. Thanks again for downloading, and we'll see you again later. I didn't download it. Episode 2 of the Concast. Thanks again for listening. If you're looking for us, you can find us at cavesofnarsh.com, on Facebook, Caves of Narsh, on Twitter, at Caves of Narsh, or on YouTube, Caves of Narsh yet again. The music you listened to today at the beginning was Songo to Chocobo from the Generation N album, and at the end, it's difficult to stand on both feet, isn't it, from the Final Fantasy VII OST.